Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 51 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am Carlos Colazo, your co-host as always. And back with us this week after uh, skipping out last week is Brad Rowland. Brad, how's it going, man? I'm not sure I skipped out last week. You had a, you had a much better, more qualified person to talk with. And uh, shouts to Kevin McAlpin. If you missed that podcast, go listen to it. It was better than uh, what I normally would say. And uh, Kevin's a smart guy. But it's nice to be back, man. It's good to talk some baseball to uh, take my mind off of other sporting things, so it's nice to be here. Yeah, Brad, you had a, uh, a devastating loss as well as the entire city of Atlanta, and really, I feel like most of America was pulling for your Falcons in the Super Bowl there. I know I was definitely disappointed to uh, see the result of that, but if it's not too early, or if it's, uh, if it's late enough, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your experience watching that Falcons game? I mean, I feel like you're one of the more prominent Atlanta guys, at least uh, in my network of sports writers and sports fans, uh, people who know what they're talking about. Uh, you want to just take us through your experience of the Falcons' second Super Bowl? Um, yeah, I haven't tried to do this before, so this, this should be interesting. Um, I don't know. It was uh, a lot of uh, terror leading up to the game, as we talked about, I believe, two weeks ago on the podcast. That was uh, with one week to go, of course, and uh, we should let people were recording this on Sunday night, so it's been about uh, exactly a week since this all transpired. Um, yeah, it was terror leading up, uh, a lot of excitement early on. But uh, if you know me, if you listen to this podcast, I know you know me well. Um, I was my guard was up for the most <laughs> part, um, and until it was, I think it was twenty when it was when it was when it went to twenty eight three, my guard went down a little bit in the second half, which was a mistake. Uh, never, never let, let your guard down with Atlanta sports. If you're an Atlanta sports fan, uh, it's never a good idea. Um, yeah. And from there, I mean, you know, we all know what happened at this point in time. And, uh, by the end I was sort of a mess. Um, I had a long drive also after the game, which was not a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it was, I wasn't ready to talk about it at all. Still not really ready to talk about specifics as you can probably tell. Um, but yeah, it, it was one of those times where, uh, sports are bad. Normally sports are very good. We like sports on this podcast. Uh, even beyond baseball, I know you have covered other sports and have done other things and enjoy the sports. Uh, but yeah, that was not a fun, not a fun sports day for someone who really likes sports more than uh, most most anything in my life. Uh, so yeah, it was a, a sort of a rough one. But hey, the Braves are here, man. It was, it's a good time the Braves uh, to be starting because uh, baseball, the uh, the whole hope springs eternal thing, is uh, <laughs> definitely something that we all need right now. I think as Atlanta sports fans. Yeah, certainly. And if you are. Really getting excited about the Braves season starting up soon. Uh, there was some big news late last night, um, really late. It was unfortunate timing, but it seems like the entire uh, Braves fan base was out watching Twitter um, and hearing about the Brandon Phillips trade. Um, so if you haven't heard for whatever reason, uh, the Braves have officially traded for Brandon Phillips with the Reds. They sent Andrew McKeerhan and... 
Carlos Portuando to uh, Cincinnati and Portuando. I apologize if I pronounce your name wrong, but this is the first I love time. That. This is the first time I've ever uh, heard seen this guy's name. So I guess that was, that was a good effort by you. Listen, uh, we all I think in unison <laughs> were uh, kind of thinking, uh, is that a brace prospect? Yeah, uh, and he's not because he's 29 years old. So no offense to that gentleman, but. Uh, yeah, kind of weird, but hey, it's not too bad. Yeah, uh, in addition to sending those two over, um, Atlanta will be taking on one million of the fourteen million owed to Brandon Phillips this year. So, I feel like everyone kind of agrees that this was a ex- an extremely light return for Cincinnati. Uh, I don't think anyone was anyone was expecting them to get some kind of big prospect haul from the Braves, uh, and we certainly didn't expect to pay that for Brandon Phillips. Um, a little bit of some some kind of complicated stuff with his no trade clause uh, that's that's happening with this deal. Brandon Phillips had a full no trade clause because he's a ten and five player with the Reds, but with that trade, I guess that uh, ten and five rule kind of becomes moot. But with his extension, Phillips also had a limited no trade clause that blocks trades to twelve different teams. And uh, despite the Braves' history with no trade clauses, they're going to honor this. Um, the limited no trade clause, and I believe uh, Phillips will be owed five hundred thousand extra if he gets traded to one of the teams. If he gets traded at all, actually, so if he waives the no trade clause or gets traded to a team that he doesn't have rights to block to, he'll get five hundred thousand. But I mean, a pretty light return for the Reds, in my opinion. I'm I'm perfectly happy with this deal. A lot of Braves fans were kind of freaking out when the rumors of Phillips to Atlanta started becoming a thing on Twitter, just because. Uh, Phillips, I believe, is a pretty polarizing player. A lot of people aren't really excited about what he can bring to the table at this point. But what are your thoughts on the trade, Brad? Yeah, I mean, you you sort of hit on, on, on at the end there. You know, Phillips is not the same guy that he used to be. He was at one point, you know, one of the top, you know, five or six second basemen in the entire league. He's no longer that. But uh, you mentioned this is basically giving up nothing. I mean, McKeerahan did reach the major leagues, so it's not like he's a, a zero, but not exactly a prospect uh, when you think about it in the most traditional terms, considering he's 27. He's sort of a guy, um, sort of running the, one of the mill player. And as you mentioned, uh, Portuando as someone that's definitely not a uh, not a prospect. So yeah, giving up two guys who were borderline at best and basically a million dollars to acquire uh brandon phillips is just fine like he's he's not i think people are going to recognize the name and kind of think that he's better than he is uh, mm-hmm. last year phillips was not very good in, in cincinnati and listen he's 35 years old he'll be 36 in june so you know guys playing middle infield don't normally age super duper well and i know he is uh, he's from he's from atlanta he's a local product but his defense kind of cratered last year uh by the looks of things by the numbers and as you expect like uh, I, i'm not really holding that against him it's just more of his fun- function of being in your mid-30s mm-hmm. playing second base and you know his bat's okay he's fine um but you know th- this deal it doesn't move the needle for me in the sense that uh it's not exactly going to impact things a great deal. We talked about that sort of long lasting impact here in a second, but uh, my my initial, my initial thoughts are it's basically giving up nothing for some insurance second base and a guy who a lot of who might sell some tickets honestly, which is kind of funny to say because mm. uh second basemen don't normally sell a ton of tickets <laughs> unless they're superstars, but uh a local local product people like him and uh he is polarizing as you said, but Baseball only, I think it's just, this is fine. and They don't really trade, trade anything. If they've given up anything of value, I think I was talking to a few people uh, when this is ha- all going down on Saturday night and just basically thinking, look, this is fine unless they trade something of value. And they basically didn't. So because they didn't do that, it's fine. Yeah, the the prospects that the Braves sent over to the Reds were even less than what I was thinking. And the whole time I kind of figured that they weren't going to be saying over too much. So I was happy with it. Um the Braves had to do this deal because of Sean Rodriguez, uh, his left shoulder. 
believe the car accident that he got in this offseason with his family. Uh, originally, the team didn't think it was going to be an issue, but according to uh, Mark Bowman's story that he has on Braves.com, you should check out if you haven't read yet, uh, the team didn't know until Friday morning that this was even going to be an issue that they needed to address. Uh, so they completed this deal within 48 hours of finding out that uh, Rodriguez was going to have surgery. And he can be out anywhere from three months to the entire season. Uh, I believe Mark tweeted uh, just a few minutes ago, actually, right when we were kind of starting up this podcast, that he's going to see Dr. James Andrews this week. And we'll know more about the uh, timetable for Rodriguez's return. But uh, I wouldn't expect to see him uh, anytime soon. And really, if they're going to play it safe, I mean, you, you have the options. You have the uh, the players who could really handle second base for the entire year. It's kind of disappointing because I know a lot of people were excited to see Rodriguez in the lineup after his really strong year in 2016. I know I was. Uh, do you think this is a downgrade at second base for the Braves in 2017, or do you think it's kind of a uh, no gain, really, or no loss, or do you think it's worse? What do you think? In my opinion, I think it's probably not going to change too much. I was kind of excited about the potential upside that Rodriguez could give the Braves, at least offensively. Just because of his year, maybe if he had a, a legit change in his hitting approach or his mechanics that could maybe carry over 2017, I feel like he might be able to offer you a little bit more. Uh, Phillips seems pretty one-dimensional as a hitter at this point, but what are your thoughts on the Braves' second base outlook and uh, his bat in the lineup compared to Rodriguez? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Phillips is, again, you know, the, the much bigger name, but uh, I was just like you sort of hoping that Rodriguez was sort of tapping in that potential that he showed a year ago. I think Phillips uh, is maybe may, may safer to project uh, at a pretty low level. Like, for instance, last season, he's basically went worth uh, one win above replacement, which is nothing terribly special. But again, you're paying him $1 million, so mm-hmm. it's fine. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's downgrade in that Rodriguez could have played all over the place. There was some thought that he'd be playing some set, some third base, some maybe even some outfield as a fourth guy. Um, Phillips is not going to do that. He's going to be a second baseman purely and simply. Uh, the presence of Jace Peterson does allow the Braves to kind of play around with that because Jace can play all, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was probably already going to do that. We talked about that a couple weeks ago and that um, Peterson might be the backup center fielder right now if all things are equal, which is kind of crazy. But this allows um, Jace to kind of not be the everyday second baseman anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty safe to assume that Phillips is going to play play a lot at least early on he may it may not be a full-time you know seven day a week starter but I think he's going to play quite a bit he'll play against every lefty I'd imagine and, and probably some righties as well he might even be the full-time guy that I mean, we, we can get into that later and later in the spring I'm sure but uh yeah he's going to play a lot and Jace is going to play all over the place and second baseman you know I, I was skeptical at least personally that Rodriguez is going to play there a ton anyway I think mm-hmm. he probably would have been sort of a more of a utility player so in terms of overall play it just at second base I don't think it really moves the needle a ton I just think Phillips is not exactly an exciting player he's just okay at this point and that's I'm not I'm not trying to crap on him too badly here it's just that um guys that are going to be 36 here I can't imagine he's going to be having a huge step forward from last year I mean it's at least possible that he could have a better season than he did a year ago and if you're if you're a, an old school guy he did hit 291 mm-hmm. last season congratulations <laughs> to those of you who still like betting average nothing else but uh, he, he doesn't walk the power has kind of dissipated over the years um, his defense is probably, you know, it's always, it always was good. Now it doesn't seem to like probably going to be anything but average at best. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's sort of a, it's sort of a capped upside player. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm saying that over and over again, but uh, it's okay and nothing more. Yeah, I actually kind of like this for Jace just because I would like to see him play at pretty much every other position except for second base more just because I feel like his role in the future 
is going to be as a super utility guy. So I'm really excited to see him get more uh, games at other positions like center field, left field, right field, third, uh, maybe even spell uh, Dansby at shortstop on occasion. He played at short in the minors, and he's definitely capable of handling that position. Probably wouldn't want him there on an everyday basis. But with Rodriguez in the fold, I feel like Jace would be playing much, or much more often at second base. And with Phillips, as you said, kind of penciled into that one spot, he's not really that utility type that, that Sean is. I feel like this will be good for Jace's development, or at least I hope that it will be, and I'm excited to see him playing some of these other positions. Do you feel like uh, that will help him at all, or do you really care about that? You know, I've always been a big fan of Jason. So yeah, I think I think you might have a point there. It is worrisome. We should probably go back to Rodriguez at some point. It is worrisome that he'll be out just because the Braves made a bit of a commitment to Rodriguez. So it's one of those things where hopefully he's back by you know maybe the All Star break, maybe a little bit, a little bit after that. But the uh, reports are not uh, not super encouraging, as you said. And I think again, like even if he wasn't going to be playing a ton of second base, my point has, has always been that he might have been the best third baseman on the roster. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a hit in that respect. I I, I can imagine a scenario in which uh, Phillips replicates that production uh, this season and, but you know Rodriguez was locked down for more than one year etc and hopefully he gets healthy anyway but I don't know it's interesting and it's not it's not great in the aggregate just because you have already uh, assigned some money to Rodriguez and now you've assigned a little bit more but you know it's a very small amount yeah so Rodriguez is owed 5.75 million this year for 2017 it looks like the Braves aren't going to be getting much value for that at this point uh, and then the same amount in 2018. So uh, you which hope might that, be fine, but yeah. you know, shoulder shoulders are weird though, man. Like you don't want to mess around with shoulders. Uh, we always talk about that with pitchers. Even you know, shoulders are even worse than elbows for hitters as well. Like yeah, it's his left shoulder too. Power. As a as a right-handed hitter, I feel like the left shoulder might even be worse just because it's kind of going through the uh, with the swing. I feel like it's getting more more stress. Your left shoulder. I'm not a I'm not a pro by any means in this regard, but I feel like it'd be better if it was his back shoulder. Um, either way, you obviously don't want to commit that much money to a player and get nothing from it. And initially when we heard how long Rodriguez was going to be out, I feel like it was, it was okay. I mean, we heard the three to five months that was obviously you don't want to ever hear months, uh, at the beginning of the season like this, but I feel like the more details we've, we've heard, it's kind of gotten progressively worse and worse. Um, but again, he's meeting with Dr. James Andrews this, this week at some point. So hopefully we can, uh, find out when exactly we should expect him to be back. Um, I feel like Ozzy Albies might uh, factor into this a little bit. Obviously, Albies is dealing with an injury of his own, or at least rehabbing from that elbow injury that he had. Um, clearly, the Braves weren't ready to go into the season without some kind of uh, second baseman to pencil in on a regular basis. They it, Obviously, they don't want to go with Jace Peterson every day at second, or else they wouldn't have made this move in the first place. But uh, I feel like this speaks to uh, what they think Albies is going to be doing this year. And it seems like he's going to be getting a majority of his playing time at Gwinnett. Is that a surprise to you, or does that tell you anything? Or what do you think uh, about Ozzy kind of in this situation? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were freaking out about this, you know, with Phillips, like, quote-unquote, blocking Albies. Mm-hmm. That's that's not something that's going to matter to me. If Phillips is good, then they, they could trade him. Or if for some reason, you know, if the Braves are suddenly red hot, they can, they can ride it out. Yeah. Um, if he's not good... Um, he won't be blocking Albies for long. If Albies is tearing it up in Gwinnett and Phillips is not playing well, the Braves have uh, very little reason to keep Phillips on the roster. It's not a situation. Same thing with, with a no trade clause, but that was uh, a topic of conversation on Sunday, um, even before the news broke that the Braves were going to sort of honor it, but not in a full way. You know, it's it's interesting. They don't have to pay a whole lot to get out of it, and even then, they could just cut Brandon Phillips at any mm-hmm. moment. They owe him one million dollars. So uh, the no trade stuff kind of made me laugh because, you know, okay, <laughs> if you don't if you don't want to get traded, we're just going to cut you. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't 
matter. Um, so yeah, if Phillips is good, it's great. And if he's not, um, and Albies is, there's no way it's going to take very long for the Braves to move on from Phillips. That's kind of a situation where I'm okay with it in either direction. Uh, hopefully Albies, you know, gives him a longer leash. Uh, I still think that if he's just uh, super healthy and tearing it up early on, then we'll probably see him sooner rather than later. But, um, you know, it just gives him a little bit more time. Uh, Albies is still incredibly young. I think people uh, want to push him along, and for good reason, because he's he's the number one guy that's still in the minor leagues with, mm-hmm. with Dansby already on the roster. But um, there's no reason to uh, super duper push Albies, considering his uh, super young age and the fact that, uh, that they probably don't want him to be the starting guy on opening day. If they if they thought that was a possibility, they probably don't probably don't do this. Also, your point about Peterson as well. So uh, take your time with Albies. If he's uh, if he's you know red hot in May or June and Phillips is struggling, then just pull the trigger then. Yep. The the Phillips blocking Albies thing kind of just reminds me of Eric Ibar last year. Obviously, we're not Oof. expecting Phillips to be one of the worst players in baseball. But, I mean, when Dansby Swanson was ready to come up, the team got rid of Ibar and put Dansby in, in the lineup uh, on a regular basis. So I would imagine if something similar happens, uh, you're going to see the same results there. There's there's no way the 35-year-old that, again, you're only paying $1 million for is going to block one of your top prospects. Uh, and a guy like Ozzy Albies, they love that guy. They're not going to let Phillips block him or hurt his development or anything like that. So if you're worried about that, I feel like you're worrying about the wrong things. Um, anything else on Phillips? I feel like we pretty much covered that one. Um, again, not going to not gonna change the uh, outlook for the team too much. Um, and really the deal is, is fine for me. I think, again, the team didn't give up too much. It's not really a high-risk trade or anything, so I'm fine with it. Yeah, my, my, my big takeaway is that uh, for, for Braves fans who probably don't follow the rest of the league super duper closely, this is not Brandon Phillips from five years ago. That would be all I would say about the deal is mm-hmm. that Phillips is now just okay and not a star, which he was a star at one point. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. He was very, very good at baseball, but now he's not really that good anymore. So tip your expectations just a little bit. Yeah, and if you want to look at the projections, I'm going to touch on this earlier, but uh, Steamer has Sean Rodriguez projected as a negative player, which I think is a little low. But again, I'm higher on his bat just because of his last, uh, his 2016 season. They projected him for 85 uh, WRC plus. Uh, Brandon Phillips is projected for an 83 WRC plus and a .8 WAR season. So I would say I'm a little higher on Rodriguez and a little lower on Phillips based on those projections. But it's not much of a difference. Um, when you look at the uh, what the computer thinks these guys are going to be doing or would be doing if Rodriguez was healthy, so not surprising in any way there. By the way, it's just you know computers are always going to bring th- bring stuff to the middle. A couple yeah. of those projection systems this this week, you know, Pakoda said what seventy six wins for the Braves, something like that. And, yeah, uh, and, I, and that I, was funny because Pakoda when it originally came out, it was like seventy five, and then literally like fifteen minutes after they came out, like all the teams got nudged up or changed in the NL East, they were all nudged up, but they all like changed really quick and I didn't I don't know how that works but yeah 76 wins according to Pakoda just an error in the spreadsheet somewhere I'm <laughs> sure but uh listen it's yeah no, no, no huge change here in terms of the Braves in 2017 as much as uh, it's a lot of fun to talk about and we will definitely talk about it, as we just did for 15 minutes or so uh it's definitely it's sort of a, a, a sort of a uh, shuffling of shuffling of the deck chairs is probably the best way to put it mm-hmm. but anyway uh, I'm just excited to see if anything happens with Phillips in the clubhouse he's, he's a guy that's had, had some run-ins a few times. Uh, He's so. not shy. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people people love him for it or they hate him for it. Yeah. Um, so I'll be interested to see how he fits in because the Braves are sort of uh, 
you know, pretty boring in terms of the clubhouse. I know you can vouch for that more than even I can because you're around them constantly for a whole yeah. summer. I feel like this team has completely changed since I've been there, though, so I don't really want to comment That's too That's true, much but, like, I mean, even as an organization, like, this mm-hmm. is a rep- they have a reputation for being a, a very boring, uh, not, in, in a good way, yeah. kind of clubhouse, like a, a very good culture. yep. Yeah, kind of thing. So we'll see how uh, Phillips fits in, but he is a local product, so that probably helps a little bit. Yeah, real quick before we move on from Phillips, if you don't mind, do you think that uh, having a guy who's been holding down a keystone at a major league level for so long, do you think that is actually a good thing for someone like Ozzy coming up and maybe learning from him or talking to him in spring training? Do you buy into that at all or or what? Because I feel like that could be a really good thing. I mean, this is a guy who's been in the league since 2002, uh, and he's really been an everyday guy since then. I mean, he's compiled... 1,749 games at second base at a, at a major league level. That's impressive, regardless of what he is right now. Um, that's not easy to do. Yeah, I mean, it can't hurt, I would say. I'm always skeptical to kind of say how much of that uh, off-field stuff really matters, but it definitely can't hurt to have a guy who knows what he's doing. Um, for better or worse, Phillips at least has been around for a long time. Uh, you mentioned more what he when he, de- when he debuted in 2002. One of the funny things that I uncovered when I'm doing a little, a little bit of research here and kind of remembered happening is that Brandon Phillips is uh, kind of so, uh, so I don't want to say old, but uh, mm. mature, that he was drafted by the Montreal Expos. Wow. Uh, so <laughs> 1999, uh, June amateur draft, second round pick by the Montreal Expos. So that kind of tells you just kind of, uh, he's on the, he's on the downside of his career, but it's good. It's good to have veteran presence, quote unquote, uh, in the, in the, in the clubhouse. And, uh, a guy like that of being around Ozzy is not a bad thing because, uh, you're right. I mean, in front of him, Rodriguez is a guy who's played second base. Jason played second base, but uh, neither one of those guys is a full time, you know, blue blood second baseman that's always been there. Phillips has played there for a long, long time. So it probably helps a little bit. All right, very cool. We can move on from Phillips now. Uh, we mentioned the 76-win uh, Pocota projection. I know the uh, or Vegas, they came out with some of their projections. Do you want to talk about that since you're our resident uh, gambling expert? I feel like that's yeah, safe, safe I to will, say Yeah, uh, I always take <laughs> handicapping uh, full on. But yeah, it's um, the Atlantis Casino actually in Reno, so not quite Vegas, but Nevada at okay. least. Um, was the first one to come out with this. Normally, the offshore books, for those of you who are degenerates like me, uh, are usually first on this kind of stuff, but it was a Reno Casino. They got, they got ahead early on this one. They put the Braves at 71 and a half wins. Uh, that was a, a cover story on ESPN Chalk this week. Um, for those of you who don't know, ESPN Chalk is sort of the, their handicapping vertical mm. over at ESPN. So, yeah, I, my first thought was this is kind of low, and uh, I think at least I have earned the re- reputation on, the, on this podcast for being pretty negative and skeptical about the Braves, and I thought this number was low, so it really kind of surprised me to see um, that number come out where it was because of the fact that there's some optimism around the Braves. I know they only won 68 games a year ago, but uh, this is a different team than it was then, and also you know, they were basically a 500 team for the last two three months of last year. So uh, 71.5 feels low. That's, that's something that's going to sound a lot like a, a Braves blog thing to say, but uh, <laughs> even for me, uh, even for me, someone who's quite low and always mentions that this is not going to be a playoff team this year, etc., 71 and a half seems quite low. Is that kind of what you were thinking as well? Yeah, so you're saying we should take the over on this one? I, be, I believe so. I, 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 unless you're in Reno right now, I don't think you can bet on this anywhere. But uh, if the number stays that low uh, anywhere else that you might be able to do it in the coming days, uh, I would definitely recommend the over if you <laughs> were to choose a side. Uh, there's a long way to go before the season, so uh, you might want to wait, see if there's any injuries, that kind of stuff, if you yeah. want to see, you know, see, see how close you can get to the wire. But uh, if you want to take advantage of what I think is a, is a very low number, I would think uh, get in early on this one. All right, so according to Brad, use all your savings and take the over on the Braves. 
That is not uh, what I said at all, Carlos. <laughs> I do. I do think this was low. Uh, I've projected the or not projected. I don't have any projection system, but I predicted the Braves to win seventy-five games. That'd be a, a seven-game improvement from 2016. This is only three games, roughly. Uh, I think the Braves have improved more than that. Uh, obviously, it depends on some of the other teams that they're going to be playing. Um, I feel like I'm kind of bullish on the Braves, too, like you, but I was I was pretty surprised with how low this was. It'll be interesting to see um, where these numbers kind of move as we go through spring training. Um but nothing, nothing crazy there. I feel like most people that we've talked to projected the Braves even higher than what me and you think. So I feel like most people are going to think this is pretty low. Yeah, I think somewhere still. I mean, I, I'm holding off to make a, an official prediction until later, and I, I think we should do that like almost as a full show mm-hmm. um, later on in spring training. But right now, I mean, it, my projection will be somewhere in the mid-70s. Yeah. So um, even, 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 even if you're trying to use the lowest number of that, uh, you know, 73 and 89 would be – pretty conservative i think and that would still be over so uh kind of tells you a lot yep i was just looking at the 1999 draft where brandon phillips was taken and <laughs> of course you are i feel like the second round was better than the first round that year the first round is really terrible and the braves don't even have a pick they traded theirs to the cardinals you want to know who the braves took in the 1999 draft and gave to the cardinals adam wainwright adam wainwright 1999 is that right that was my guess, that was my guess. no oh, i'm no. kidding I I, like, am i looking at the right thing no i was just guessing oh no it was some guy named chance capel you ever heard of him oh man that's nope i got i got nothing for yeah, you on number, that one. number 30 so terrible draft in 1999 it's like we need to bring in gandhi or somebody that would remember all these things. <laughs> yeah he'd break down the whole round tell us about each player give us a scouting report <laughs> yep but uh <laughs> You're younger than I am, and I didn't know, so there you go. Yeah, I guess I was only five years old for that draft, but whatever. Oh, good lord, let's move on. Speaking of draft, um, Baseball America released their top 100. They're experts on the draft. But uh, this weekend, it was more about the uh, prospects in the minor leagues and in in farm systems currently. Um, No surprise, really, that the Braves had the most prospects on the top 100 list for Baseball America. I believe they're three for three, or... Two for three with one tie with uh, Pipeline's list. But um, they had eight players on Baseball America's list. I feel like Ozzy Albies is higher on this list than any list, including Keith Law. And Keith was pretty high on Ozzy as well. Um, the full list, or all the, all eight players, were uh, Dansby, Ozzy Albies, Colby Allard, Mike Soroka, Ian Anderson, Ronald Acuna, Acuna, I believe that's the correct pronunciation, Kevin Maiton, and Sean Newcomb. Um, and for Baseball America, all these guys are in the top 78. Newcomb is last on this list at number 78. So that's really impressive. Um, and Dansby was actually lower on this list than the other two major lists, which was not a huge surprise. I mean, I think they varied from one to – or was Pipeline two? Do you remember off the top of your head? Don't want to call you out here. but I want to say that was right, but, uh, you know, uh, they, they yeah, all run together. Like, at I feel a like point, Law but... and Pipeline both had – uh, Swanson at two. So really the only thing you could gripe about for Baseball America if you're a Braves fan is having Dansby lower than all the other main uh, draft outlets by one one spot. So And, and, and if, you're, if, you're, if you're griping about that, it's probably time to reevaluate things. <laughs> exactly. If you're griping um, about a list in general, I feel like you might need to evaluate reevaluate things. But Well, there are, there are some lists that are bad. Uh, this is not <laughs> one of them. This, this feels fine. Baseball America is smart. Um, but uh, yeah, that's not the nitpicking point. I do I, w- I do want to say though, shouts to Mike Soroka, top yeah. fifty. That was very high. I know Eric was super pumped when he saw that one. Uh, I was kind of surprised with how high he was. But one of the, I guess it wasn't interesting when this was when it kind of initially came out. 
Um, I believe Eric tweeted the other day that Baseball Prospectus had Ronald Acuna as the Braves' number two prospect overall. Ahead of Albies. Right? Was, is that yes. surprising to you not to jump that on does Baseball Prospectus? Me. But No, that do, it does surprise me. Um only because, you know, Acuna, is, it's, it's been sort of a, me, a meteoric rise for Acuna. Like, mm-hmm. a year ago, we were not talking about him in the same way that we are now. So, uh, I, I, I want to say the hype's getting a little bit out of control there, just a tad bit, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't want to say that's definitely the case, but it feels like, a, a, at least to me, a little bit on the outside looking in. But, because uh, I, I, I think Albies is a lot safer, I would say. He's a lot closer to the majors, mm-hmm. um, higher pedigree, all those things. But, uh, you know, n- never a bad thing to hear another positive take on Ronald Acuna because uh, our guys love him. Yeah, you know, Keith Law seems to like him a lot. Um, you know, obviously, Baseball America likes him quite a bit as well. He's in the top 70 here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was surprised, but uh, not bowled over just because the hype's getting uh, big time for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's shocking to me because Ozzy has two of the best tools of any any Braves prospect, at least according to Baseball America. If you uh, you should definitely check out their list on their website if you haven't already. I'd recommend subscribing as well. They have a lot of really good information that'll be useful to you as a Braves fan. But um, if you look at Dansby's tools, and he's obviously the Braves' top prospect, uh, his best is a sixty. He's got four sixty tools, so that's extremely impressive. Those are all plus tools. His hit tool, speed, fielding, and arm are all 60s. Obviously really impressive across the board, but I was going through their list, and I got to Albies and saw that he had two 70-grade tools, which is plus-plus, which is extremely impressive. You don't see multiple 70s on a position player a whole lot, but they gave his hit tool a 70-grade and his speed to 70-grade, which was more than I thought. I figured his hit tool would be a 60 around what Dansby's was, and I feel like I've been underestimating his, his speed as well, so... Um, I think this is good for you, Brad, because you're the resident Aussie hater, so you need to uh, look at these schools and, and just be impressed. <laughs> I've not – listen, I don't hate Aussie. I think Aussie's, I think Aussie's good. The I first think I'm going to keep him, banging this drum until someone tells me to stop, though. So It's fine. I mean, the, fir- the first time I saw him play in person, um, the first take I had was that he's incredibly small. But the second take I had was that he's incredibly fast. That guy can, that guy can move. So not not a surprise there, but the hit tool, yeah, your your point. I, I would have expected something in the sixty range as well. So, uh, seven hit tool is that's high, it seems. But hey, maybe he, he probably needs to be that to be honest to be a what people what people seem to project him to be. Mm. If he actually is a seventy hit tool guy, then that makes some sense. If he get, could actually do that, because the power's not really there, and you know, et cetera. There's other, other issues, but if he actually is that kind of hitter, then he'll become the guy that people think he might become. Mm. Yeah, I feel like with Acuna too. Um, I feel like people are kind of all over the board with that what they project his power to be. BA puts his power tool at just a 50, which is average, major league average. And I feel like I've heard from several people that have said he's got legit power uh, and they're projecting that power. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of numbers he puts up this year. Uh, I'm excited to see more of Ronald Acuna. Obviously, he's going to be one of the more interesting prospects to watch. A lot of people are extremely high on him, as we just talked about. Um, but any last... Uh, comments or feedback on this list or you think we can move on from that no it's another list i mean it's worth talking about my time being there is interesting as well as mm-hmm. always but uh soroka shouts to him shouts to eric who is in on soroka first we have to mention that every time yeah that's, um, his, that's he, his guy when he wins the cy young in 2021 we're gonna be talking about how eric was on it so mm-hmm. uh aside from that now we're we're good you know it's it's always time to talk about these things and it's good that we can get out of the way but uh, I'm, I'm excited for some actual bass some actual baseball to talk about yeah. i will say we, i feel like we've been talking us. about hypotheticals for so long it'll be well, that's so what nice you have to, to do watch stuff uh, it's uh it's february i mean baseball is gonna happen shortly but mm-hmm. uh, until then 
This stuff can enter, occupy our minds and entertain us, so I'm good with it. Yep. All right. Uh, last little note before we wrap up. Jordan Walden is no longer with the team. Are you terribly sad about that? Carl, did you know that he, did you know that he jumps when he throws? Did I know what? That he, that he jumps when he throws, like he, he leaps he, off the mound. He does. That's exciting. We should talk about that every time we talk about Jordan Walden. Did you, did you, did you know that about Jordan Walden, no, that I, he leaps I didn't, off I didn't the mound? know that. I feel like there's I, another guy, Carter Capps, he does that. So, Jordan Walden, man, we're going to miss that. Yeah, I no, every, every broadcast, every single one. Every single broadcast <laughs> for all time. Uh, I do like Jordan Walden, so this is kind of sad in that it was clear that, like, um, I mean, a mutual opt-out basically is that um, the Braves thought he couldn't pitch, and Jordan seems to think he can't pitch either. Um, at least right now, it's not. It's a, it's a it's a health thing. I mean, it, it, he's always been good. You know, you look, you look, you look, at, you look at Jordan Walden's, Walden's career numbers; they're very very good. He was once a, a very productive closer. Was in the role for the Braves for a little bit as well. Um, he's a good pitcher. It's just whether I mean, you have a shoulder issue again. We talked about earlier in the podcast with with Rodriguez. It's a lot a lot worse for a pitcher, I would say. But uh, you know, Walden's shoulders problematic. He's still young enough. Is he is he twenty nine or so, something like that? Yeah, he's twenty nine. He'll uh, uh, turn that's 30 young in enough. November. He could he could he could come back, but uh, you know, time is probably what you need with a shoulder, and it could he could just be shot. Unfortunately, that's kind of the reality situation um, for a especially because he's he's a power guy, he always was. So mm-hmm. it's definitely troublesome. Uh, hopefully, he'll, he'll be able to pitch again, but it's not going to be in Atlanta at least anytime soon. It looks like. Yep. Uh, fortunately, the Braves have a plethora of bullpen options this spring. Uh, I feel like that's going to be one of the biggest storylines to watch for Atlanta, just because there's so many different ways the bullpen can shake up. But pitchers and catchers are reporting. On Tuesday, and I believe the first full squad workout is Friday for the Braves. So things are finally heating up. We're going to start hearing some some news and some reports from beat writers and Kevin McAlpin, who's, I guess, just now gearing up for baseball. Uh, He kind of slacked over the offseason. But we're going to start hearing some things from those guys, the guys you follow all year. Uh, And shortly after that, we'll be watching baseball, which is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I spoke to Zach Dillard of Fox Sports South, front, front of the podcast. He's been on the show before. Uh, he and Corey McCartney are heading down, I believe, I think tomorrow mm-hmm. to uh, Orlando. It's time, man. We're, we're here. I'm excited about it. There's not There won't be actually uh, games to talk about for a couple more weeks, pretty much. But uh, you know, getting guys in, getting guys in, seeing all the stories flying around uh, should be a lot of fun, and we'll actually have stuff to talk about that uh, takes place between the white lines, and we want that more than anything. I know I can speak for myself and probably you as well mm-hmm. with that one. It's time to talk about some actual results and things to analyze and et cetera. So um, I'm very excited about baseball. It's time, and uh, hope springs eternal. Even if, even even in the year when the Braves probably aren't winning the World Series, maybe probably not winning I would the World say Series. It's safe to say no. Uh, but hey. <laughs> We, we can Sorry, dream. Crush your dreams. We can uh, dream. No, I, no. I, don't get your not, hopes up like we down. all did for the uh, Falcons. That's oh, jeez. That's a full circle. That's a that's a that's a full circle callback from Carlos to end the yep. podcast. But that's uh, great storytelling structure, just to let you guys know. Let so. me tell you this though. Uh, listen, the Falcons <laughs> uh, coming into the season, and the NFL is very different than baseball. But um, coming into the year, absolutely no one would have projected the Falcons to make the World Series. So, I mean, to make the World Series, to make the Super Bowl. <laughs> no uh, one projected them to make the World Series. Brad. That, that is, is true. true. <laughs> uh, the Braves are probably more more unlikely than the than the Falcons were. But listen, the Falcons kind of were that redemption story and uh, yeah. a good a good uh, Cinderella tale. So See. maybe. Atlanta connection complete one. This is a problem with Atlanta sports. People like you get our hopes up, and then they come crashing down. So no one, I'm no one has ever accused. No one has ever accused me of uh, of getting people's hopes up, Carlos. I, I'm, the guy, I'm the guy who, tear, who tears your hopes down. I'm just trying to like go brand. Right we should really get a super optimistic person on this podcast to kind of balance us out. It was McAlpin. McAlpin last week was great. Yeah, Kevin's he was. Awesome. I, 
he's an upbeat guy, you know. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll talk. We'll, uh, we'll between between you and I, we'll find our most optimistic Braves fan friend, and we'll have them on to do the uh, if everything goes right episode. We could just do one of those where we talk about like you know Freddie winning the MVP, Dansby being uh, rookie of the year by a wide margin, and just all these things that could actually happen that. Probably won't happen all in unison, but maybe they could. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, we won't know until a few weeks at least about what the team's going to be looking like. Um, We'll be back to talk to you guys next Sunday. Thanks for listening today, whatever day it is that you're listening to the show. Be sure to follow uh, Brad on Twitter at BTRoland. You can find me at Carlos A. Colazzo. uh, And also follow the site Talking Chop at Talking Chop. Um, and subscribe to the show on iTunes, by the way. That really helps us. Leave a five-star review and the rating, all those things on iTunes. That will help us grow the podcast. So please do that for us. Yep, definitely do that. Uh, be sure to keep checking out the site this week. We're going to start gearing up for our spring training uh, content. Uh, and we'll also hopefully hear about uh, some more details on Sean Rodriguez's shoulder. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but thanks for listening, guys. And uh, see you next time. Mm-hmm.